Best Supporting Actor series. And the whole premise of this is we're looking at some of the folks in the Bible that the average man on the street may not even have heard that that name is in the Bible. They don't know this person's there. These aren't the Moses and Abraham and Paul and Peter and Jesus from the Bible. These are people who have maybe played some other roles, but, but God has captured their story in the Bible for us, for us to be able to glean and learn so much from who they are and how they lived. And we're looking at some of these along the way. Another reason why I wanted to do this is so that when you're in your personal Bible reading, that look at these and study some of these out. Pause with some of these people's lives and kind of dig in and look. There's so much wonderful stuff there. And uh, in looking at and looking at these people's lives, they help us to see how we can purposefully move forward in our relationship with God. Now, we're in the middle of the Winter Olympics. Y'all been watching the Olympics? Enjoying the Olympics? Watching Apollo Ono doing all his cool skating stuff? And that's just insane. Did anybody watch that, that relay thing the other night? That is absolute chaos. I just can't imagine how that gets orchestrated. And nobody fell. There were no wrecks. You put four guys by themselves, somebody's going to wipe out. You put like 10 guys out there, and nobody wiped out. It was amazing. It was incredible. Well, we've been watching the Olympics, watching all of this. And, of course, you have the downhill skiing where, I mean, these people, you just talk about being right on the edge of out of control. They just... There's no style points. It doesn't have to be pretty. It's start at the bottom, first one to cross the finish line, make sure you hit all the gates. It's just get it there. And they're coming in on one ski. They're doing all sorts of crazy stuff. It doesn't matter. They just got to cross the line. And we was watching it with my mom, and this guy was kind of out of control coming down the slope. And she said, Brandon, that reminds me of you whenever you were learning to ski at Red River. And... Uh, because when I, I'm not naturally athletic, and of course skiing is a sport and requires some athleticism, and I was able to turn to the left, right, ski on the downhill ski pretty easy, but I couldn't turn to the right very good. And I would get about halfway through, and then I would just start hauling forward and just flying forward. And finally I just gave up on trying to, trying to compensate for that at all. And I would just point my skis downhill and just go fast. And when I would get to the bottom... Uh, I would fall, and uh, and I would just throw myself to the ground, and that's how I would that's how I would end it. And uh, the problem is is there's no control there, and the the premise of starting at the top and ending at the bottom is kind of there. That, that, that's happening. But a lot of the other things that are important along the way were missing. You need to be able to turn. You need to be able to make sure you don't knock any people over. You need to be able to stop. And I didn't have those elements in my life and here as we look at a woman named Lydia see she is mentioned only two short passages in the book of Acts and even with such little bit said about her we learn that she lived out the five main elements that we need for continued growth in Christ in this little bit of her story she had all five pieces that we need we need she wasn't just hauling down the hill and getting from point A to point B, she had all of the different things. And we're about to look at those five core things that you and I need being active in our lives. Just having one or two, yeah, we may be in a forward motion, but to really get where God wants us to go and make sure we don't get hurt along the way, 
we need to have all five of these things cruising in our lives. Right now, we're going to just quickly look at everything the Bible has to say about Lydia. We're going to just look at all of it right quick. And then we're going to break it down. Acts chapter 16, verses 12 through 15 says, From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of the district of Macedonia. Now you remember a few weeks ago I was talking about green light theology. God says, go for it and you go. Holy Spirit had stopped Paul. He was going to go to Asia. Holy Spirit stopped him. He was going to go to Asia Minor. Holy Spirit stopped him. Then he had a vision, the Macedonian vision, and decides... Maybe God wants us to go to Macedonia. So they head off to Macedonia. That was just a couple of verses before. This is the first thing we see of what happens in Macedonia. And so we pick up there. It says, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us into her home. And if you can, said, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house and she persuaded us to and then a number of verses further down in the same chapter Paul and Silas have just been released from prison and haven't been beaten and here we pick up in verse 40 and it says and after Paul and Silas came out of the prison they went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and encouraged them and then they left See, as we look at Lydia's life the first thing we see is, is that Lydia was a woman of prayer. Now see, Lydia was also the first convert in Europe. She was the first believer. She's the first one we have recorded that, that came to Christ and embraced the knowledge of Christ in Europe. And, and of course, the gospel began to just explode all throughout Europe and is spread all over the world through Paul's obedience, through that Macedonian vision, and he presents it there to this group of women on the side of the river, Lydia says, I want some of that. And became the first believer in all of Europe. Broke it wide open. And she had these five core things. She was a person who truly sought the heart of God. She was not a Jew. But yet she was a worshiper of God. Which means she was seeking the truth. She wasn't just raised in it. It wasn't just handed down for her. It hadn't been taught her since she was a child who knows what she was taught as a child growing up in Thyatira she but she had had a heart hungry for the truth and she had embraced the truth of the Old Testament at the time and was there with the other people who called on the one true God and then when the when the when God's completed work in Christ was presented to her boom she received it she was so hungry and that's why she's such a wonderful model for us See, Lydia was a woman of prayer. Prayer is one of the key pieces you and I have to have going. We're a five-cylinder machine, and we've got to have that cylinder firing in our lives. We have to have a prayer life going. See, there on Acts 16, it says, On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place 
of prayer. Now, Paul's normal M.O. was to go to a synagogue, which was like a church building, like this place where everybody, all the people who were Jews gathered together to worship God. And he would go in there because they at least knew the scriptures and he started there. That's how he always started. Well, there had to be so many believing families, there had to be so many Jewish families to have a synagogue. So he's just looking for this place of prayer where these people who called on God, and he's starting there. And he goes out, he's looking for them, and he runs into these women who are there at this place of prayer. And Lydia had a habit, obviously, of showing up to prayer. She was a worshiper of God. She, was, she had, had made the decision to follow after God, and she was a woman of prayer. And we have to have that in our lives. And see, so many people don't understand. They don't know, they're like, how do I pray right? I don't feel comfortable with prayer. It's, it's, it's awkward. It's weird. I don't know. Do I, do I pray like in King James? Do I, have to, do I have to make a funny voice and say, oh, Lord, and... How do I do it? Is there this particular way? I don't want to pray wrong. How do I do it? And people get intimidated and don't know kind of what to start. And there's this story of these, uh, these three uh, ministers. And they were all on the phone. And they were discussing this very issue. They were discussing what's the proper prayer posture. You had to physically do something to pray right. And there was this telephone repairman guy who's listening in on this conversation as he is repairing the lines and testing the lines and doing all that he needs to do. So he's silently in the background taking all of this in. And the first guy says, well, it's all about the hands. If you position the hands right, you're going to have your prayers heard. You've got to put them together and you've got to have your elbows out. You've got to have it. It's all pointed up to heaven and kind of like, like channels it. You like speak right into your hands and whoosh, it just goes straight up in heaven. It's all about the hands, man. It's, in, it's all in the hands. You've got to have the hands right. The other guy on the line says, man, there's no way. There's no way. No, you've got to have your hands up. You've got to be standing up, have your hands up, eyes open, voice to the heavens, and just speak right up to God. And you just, you just got to do it that way. The other guy says, no, 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 no. There's no, there's no way that's it. You, you've got to be humble. And you've got to be laid out flat on your face, stretched out on your face, and just speaking right into the carpet. You ought to have a good rug burn on your chin by the time it's all said and done. I mean, that's the only way to pray. And... Uh, so finally, the telephone repairman guy, he just couldn't stand it anymore. He just, he just couldn't deal with it. He's finally popped up. And he said, look, y'all have all got it wrong. The most powerful prayer I've ever prayed in my life was nothing like that. that. I was hanging upside down, 40 feet up in the air on a telephone pole, praying for my life. He said, that's the right prayer posture. <laughs> and uh, the truth is, is that the, the guy had it right. And it's that in the middle of where you are is where to pray. We need to invite God in. It's not having to show up and do this one little thing. It's not having to go through this motion. It is God is with us and keeping an open conversation with God. Opening our hearts to Him. God wants us and it is needed for us to stay in this place of prayer. See, Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything... Everything, everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So when I'm in this place of, of need, I go to God, absolutely. When things are cruising good and I'm just saying, God, thank you for being so good to me, then I go to God. And all of it from, from desperation 
to this and not knowing how things are going to work out and to this other place of just total joy because God, just the blessings of God are there and it's evident on both ends. Thanksgiving has to be this connector in our prayer. And the reason for that is because when we've already, when the, the, the answer has showed up, well, we ought to be thankful. We ought to be saying thank you. God, this is awesome. But also when we're in our place of need, there is this gratitude because we're coming to a God who loves us. And it's not a, is God going to answer? That we come to God and we pray to Him and we're grateful because we've come to the right source and we're grateful even though we're in the middle of what's going on, we still have this place of gratitude because God is going to answer and, the, and God is going to move in our lives. This gratitude, this thankfulness stays there. We have to have prayer in our lives. See, 1 Thessalonians five sixteen through 18 says, Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And so if it meant... Being laid out flat on our face. Well, we couldn't do that all the time. We got to work. You know, if it meant, you know, this little prayer posture, you know, how am I going to eat? You know, put my little fork in there. We can't do that stuff. How does this pray continually thing work? It's keep, it's never putting an end to it. Never hitting a hang up. Never hitting an end on your little cell phone with God. You keep it open. You talk to God all day long about every thing and you just keep the conversation rolling yes there are pauses yes there are little things but it is this flow of of staying connected with god prayer has to be a key part of our lives we also see that lydia heard and believed the word of god she heard it and believed it and the ministry of the word of god in our lives is so vital if all we do is we keep everything rolling in our lives simply based on our, on our prayer life, then yeah, you just do that and you can begin to kind of get, get off base and kind of end up... When we come back to the solidness of the Word of God, then that's the truth and that becomes our place. We actually should be praying out of the Word of God. See, Acts 16.14 says, Of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira who was a worshiper of God and the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. See, there was Lydia listening. She had a desire to know the truth. She was listening. And the grace of God opened her heart. That is the, it, the Holy Spirit promised said, this is the truth. And then she had to come to a place of response. God did not respond for her. But he moved on her heart so that she would recognize the truth when it was in front of her. And so that she would be at this place of response. She was, she was <clears throat> embraced the word of God. See, Romans ten seventeen tells us that consequently faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. We have to keep this in our lives. That's why we do the whole Bible reading program thing together. Whether you're reading just the New Testament portion or, or just the Psalm and Proverbs or, or the whole kit and caboodle and getting through the whole Bible in a year. It's just a tool to help us keep the word of God coming in, this steady stream into our lives. 
And you're like, well, you know, Pastor Brandon, what I was reading today, uh, you know, I, I'm not really sure that, you know, that was what I was needing for today. I, I, I'm not sure that was what, was, was what I was needing. The problem, here's the deal, is that we, God, is, there's always truth and there's always life in God's word. And I guarantee you, he'll speak to you when you're hungry out of one verse. He'll give you everything you need out of one verse. But we're also in this place of instead of living out of our need, that we get to this place of building this reservoir of the truth in our lives so that whenever we hit something, the word is already alive in us. It is already there and it comes out. We don't got to go digging. We already know the truth. When this situation hits, we know how to act, we know how to respond, we know how to, to operate with the Word of God. So we have to be putting it in us all the time. See, when I was a kid, we would go camping, and man, when we, my dad would drag the boat, and that boat was loaded down, the truck was loaded down, I mean, we looked like Sanford and Son going to the lake. And so we could even hear the little Donald song playing with us. Everything was just tied down, tarps, ropes, all this stuff. My dad took way too much stuff when we went camping and uh, we didn't need a travel trailer because my dad like built one on site when we got there he had all this stuff and and uh, but you never knew what you were going to need and my dad did not want to be in this place of needing oh i wish i would have grabbed that out of the garage and so most of the stuff we took camping we didn't even use but if we needed it it was there and as we regularly put the word of god in us we do that. And when we need it, it is there and in our hearts and it is alive and ready for us. We also see that Lydia shared what she knew about God. Now, in the Christian world, we use like this kind of scary word called witnessing and, uh, you know, and that we are we or evangelism or something. All that is, is just telling other people what you know about God, what God's done in your life. You don't have to be able to answer every question. You don't have to know all of it. You just have to know what God's done in your life. Just like a, a witness on a witness stand, that, that badgering uh, lawyer comes up and asks some questions you don't know the answer to. I don't know. You don't know. You don't have to answer that. You simply are accountable to reveal what you know, what God has done in your life. And if you're brand new in the Lord and somebody says, well, uh, you know, did Adam have a belly button or not? And you're like, I don't know. But this I do know. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I know I was depressed and had no hope, and I've got hope now. I know that I, that, that I had no answers, and God is continually revealing himself to me. I know that. And that is simply what we have to do. We ought to, there ought to be some kind of thing happening in our life where we are sharing what God is doing in our lives all the time. See, it doesn't have to be as extreme as street preaching or something like that. You know, when I was in college, I really thought that was it, you know, that we were to really be witnessing, you know, that we, me and Brandon Moore here, we'd uh, be at the ASU on the, the free speech area, had free speech area. I don't know if it's still the same way anymore, but they'd like put, took all the free speech and combined it to one piece of grass between the uh, library and the academic building. And so Brandon came up with this formula that we would take a whistle and blow this whistle and get everybody's attention between class and then just preach. And so Brandon did it more than I did. I finally got the courage to do it up one time and, 
and I blew the whistle, and it was around Halloween, and man, I just gave him a good, real God loves you, and Halloween, and scare you out of hell message, and uh, and so, but that doesn't have to be what sharing and witnessing and all that has to be. It can be as as easy and effective as when that same guy I blew the whistle with when Brandon and I first met, and we met at a Bible study, and he was away from God at the time, and simply said, if anybody wants to talk about God or anything, then I'll be in my room. And me and Kelly Dunn took him up on it, and uh, we went and shared uh, and just talked to Brandon, and, and we've been friends ever since, and seen God just transform his life. He honestly looked like the devil that night, so um, I really thought he like was like cousins with the devil or something, but, and he's not. And, uh, but it can just be as easy as just sharing and opening our lives together. See, First Thessalonians 2.8 says, We love you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. See, there are people that you love a lot. There are people that are dear to you. And just let them know what God's doing in your life. It doesn't have to be some heavy, scary let me sit down with my Bible and, you know, we're going to, before we do this, let's pray and, you know, and no, just conversationally, just open up and just share the gospel in your life. It's real easy. It's, it just, and it's so life-giving and so awesome. And that needs to be happening in our lives. We know that Lydia did this. I skipped the scripture right quick, but it's Acts 16, 15. And it says, and when she and the members of her household were baptized. See, she heard it there at the river, and then she took the truth back to her household, and they all received Christ. And they were all baptized. Lydia shared what was going on. We also understand that Lydia fellowshiped. Now, fellowship, fellowshipping is hanging out with other believers, other people who are going in the same direction, hooking arms and saying, you know what, we're going to move forward in Christ together. And this is so important. This is why small groups is so vital. And being in whether a running partners group or a, a home group or any way small groups expresses itself, you need to be involved in a small group. See, there in Acts 16... Again, we see that on the Sabbath, and they, they went to find the place of prayer, and <clears throat> Lydia began to, uh, or we sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. Lydia was already in the habit of hanging out with other like-minded people. She was there gathered together with other people at the place of prayer. And so it, it totally stands to reason that when she embraced Christ, it carried on, and we see that in verse 40 where when Paul and Silas were let out of prison, then they knew right where to go. Where do we go? We're out of prison. They knew where to go. Go to Lydia's house. They went to Lydia's house, and the brethren met there. The other believers hooked up there. And they talked and fellowshiped and encouraged one another in that place. Now, on our trip that we took, and we were traveling the u.s i so wanted to get to northern california and see the redwood trees i've wanted to see them all my life i've still never seen them in person i want to see i'm going to see the redwoods at some point in my life and the redwoods are so awesome because of course they're the biggest trees on the planet 
Some of these suckers get 350 feet tall. Now, there is not a building in San Angelo even remotely 350 feet tall. That's like 30 stories tall, folks. That sucker is, these suckers get huge. You've seen all seen the postcards and the pictures where they cut a tunnel out of them and drive cars through the middle of these suckers. They're huge. But the secret to them getting so big isn't just in their DNA. It's in the fact that you find a huge redwood only growing around other big redwoods. That's because it doesn't, its root doesn't go down into the ground 350 feet deep. No, its roots go out, and it intermingles with all of those other big old redwoods. And they support one another. And as they are all connected with each other, they're able to grow to such incredible heights. You and I have to have that. The DNA of God is alive on the inside of us. God has such big stuff for our lives, but we will not grow the way God has designed us to grow without being intermingled and connected with each other. Now the, the a big old wind comes and blows on one of those big old trees, and it starts to whoop. Well, guess where it's pulling on? Those other trees around it with its roots. So guess what? When we're connected in relationship, you know, sometimes other people's junk becomes our junk. Sometimes what's happening in somebody else's life starts putting a strain on us. But you know what? That should be a comforting thing. Because one day, that wind's going to blow on your tree. And as you're connected with those life-giving relationships, then they help hold you. It is so important. She fellowship. We have to to do that it is so important see Acts 2 42 it's just new testament church they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer and then the last thing we see is that lydia gave with a willing heart she opened her heart and gave it is so incredible she invite the her expression here says so much if you consider <clears throat> me a believer in the lord she said come stay at my house and she persuaded us if you really believe that i've accepted this message of yours then let me act like it let me act like a believer let me open my home let me put a roof over your head some food in your belly let me give the way god gave if you consider me a believer, then let me give. Man, that is, she so understood it. She was so incredibly alive. And of course, they knew this was true. And so when they got in trouble and got out of prison, where'd they go back to? The woman with the heart of giving, of opening her home. We have to be givers. See, when we allow God to use these five elements in our lives, we truly grow in knowing God better and trusting him more. That's what Celebration Church is about. It's helping people to know God better and to trust him more. That is what makes our heart tick. And when we have these pieces, we don't just do things for no reason. We don't just encourage you to read in your Bible for no reason. Just because it's a nice Christian thing to do. No, because it helps you in knowing God better and trusting him more. We want you in a small group because it helps you to know God better and to trust Him more. We and teach on giving, not because we've got to pay the bills, but because it helps you to know God better and to trust Him more.
these things are so vital. And Lydia showed us that that is what it's all about. 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 